Hello, I'm Justin Bell Guarini, CEO and founder of Live to Perform, and you are listening to the Warrior Artist Podcast. Today's episode is titled Stop and Smell the Manure. <laughs> Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. As artists, we work years, decades, sometimes our entire lives honing our craft, trying to become masters. And yet it's all for moments, for a great audition, for a great performance, for a great run in a show. But what happens in between those moments? We are doing battle every single day with ourselves and with the industry and with all the things going on in our lives. But the real question is, how do we prepare our minds, our spirits, our bodies, and our business sense to do battle and to win on the battlefield of our artistry? The Warrior Artist Podcast answers those questions and a whole lot more. I'm Justin Belguarini, and you're listening to The Warrior Artist Podcast. always love to come up to me and say, man, you should have won. And if you don't know what they mean by that, about 16 or 17 years ago, I was on the very first season of a show called American Idol. And in the finale, it was Kelly Clarkson and myself. And we battled it out with a few songs, one of which went on to be a very big success. And of course, Kelly was singing it. It was called A Moment Like This, and she sounded phenomenal, and it still does to this day. And so when people come up to me, and they still do, here 16 years later, they come up to me and they say, man, you should have won. At first, I just shrugged and said, nah, because, I mean, I... There's a story one of the executive producers of American Idol loves to tell when we were both backstage, stage left, and we were watching, both watching, and the finale, 30 million spike of 50 million people watching. We were both watching Kelly sing one of the two songs. I think it was a moment like this, and she was wrapping up, getting into the end of it, and I I leaned over to him and I said, you know, If I win this thing, you're going to have to hire some extra security. And he turned to me and he said, what? Why? And I said, because if she doesn't win, there's going to be a riot. And I really, truly believe that. I still believe it to this day. She has a phenomenal voice. And in that first season, I think the public made the right choice. And... That's that. So when people say, hey, man, you should have won at first, like I said, I I shrugged and I was like, nah, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I would have liked to have won. Of course, I'm a human being. But at the end of the day, I realized, look, I was I was outmatched in that finale. And then as time went by and people would say it, I would just be like, well, how do you take this? Okay, Justin, just say thank you. So they'd say, man, you should have won. I said, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, and then I wouldn't change, would change the subject and talk about them. Or hey, what do they need? Or can I, you know, do you you autograph, picture, whatever it is, because that's usually what people do. And then as time went on, I began to really think about what it is that they were saying. Man, you should have won. 
What's the subtext? What's the thought behind that? What's the, the thought behind the thought? What's the meaning behind the words? And I said to myself, well, if I should have won, they must have thought I lost. And if they think I lost, and wait, and this man, you should have won. And they always kind of gave me that, oh, gee, sort of nod, shake the head, and the, oh, too bad. There was even one guy, one guy, I had the storage unit in town and my wife and I and a cousin of ours were putting some stuff in storage and the guy who managed the place was like, hey, you're that guy from American Idol, right? And, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was saying with a smile and he said, ah, yeah, you lost to Kelly Clarkson? I was like, yeah, yeah, she's great though. And he goes, ah, man, (laughs) well, almost famous, huh? And he walked away. And it was, I mean, it's mind-boggling, really. If anybody knows anything, of course, we artists, we performers understand that that is like a dagger. (laughs) It's kind of like the meanest thing to say. Don't so many people say the meanest stuff, especially who aren't performers, say the worst things that they could possibly say? That if they were performers, if they knew what it felt like to be rejected on the regular, (laughs) that they would never, ever say something like that? Uh, that happens to me all the time. And it happened in this circumstance, too. And it's just so funny. Because people don't think that... They, I don't think he was being offensive. I think he's just... That's it. He thought, oh, you lost. She's famous. You're not famous. Uh, she had a successful career. You're you're just, you know, Joe, Joe Schmo now. Well, there's nothing wrong with being Joe Schmo. I think people don't see because I'm not on the front of a newspaper or a magazine cover or on some sort of show that I, um, I have not, I'm not successful and that I've lost and that it was just, that was my one shot. Have you ever experienced that? Not, not, not that, but I mean, my, my experience exactly. That's crazy. But when you do that one thing, and you have that one shot. Have you ever felt like, oh man, this was my, this was it. This was my big, this was my big break and I missed it. This is my big shot and now it's done. That's what I mean. Well, I was afraid that that was the case for me, certainly. And even though I had been doing and still do shows on Broadway, not only walking down red carpets, but hosting them for various television companies and shows, even one time for Facebook. Being in commercials, national commercials, having other recordings and other projects that I was working on, you know, flying to Sweden to record an album. Underneath all that, my fear was that I was a loser. And that I was not good enough. And that really I was just kind of holding on to this dream of 16 years ago. And so I really started examining that story. And that's why I titled this Stop and Smell the Manure. Because it's so easy in life and especially in a performance career to just gloss over the bad stuff. It's so easy to just not want to talk about it or not want to deal with it and move on to the next thing. Because look at the auditions. Take that, for example. 
most of us and most of you out there listening have multiple auditions a day, much less a week. So uh, you don't get one. Uh, okay, well, let's move on to the next one. But there's a danger in that. I mean, there's also the conversely the danger of just wallowing in every single audition. Yes, I, I, I hear you. But there is a danger in glossing over the crap. So the reason why I titled this Stop and Smell the Manure is because when I started to stop and really examine the things that had happened in my career and in my life during that part of my life and, you know, examining the fact that I felt like I had lost, I felt like I had blown my moment, that even after that, you know, if, if you were to chart Kelly's career and chart my career, it would look like, um, you know, one of those uh, greater than signs. Like if you take a pyramid and throw it on its side and lop off the bottom, you know, kind of the alligator eating more, that sort of thing. And she would be the one that was trending upwards and mine would be the one that was trending down. For a certain period of time, it would look just like that. Things have changed since then, but in my mind, in my heart, in my artist's heart, I felt for so long like I was a loser and that I wasn't good enough and that I didn't deserve what I had gotten. And I created a whole bunch of stories around that and a whole bunch of thoughts and things that I told myself about myself, about how other people felt about me. And for a long time, that manure went unsniffed, <laughs> unexamined. And it's dangerous because the events in our lives, the, the occurrences, especially when they're big, especially when they're momentous, tend to create very, very strong ideas very, very strong stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, about the experience, about how we feel, about what we went through and how that d defines us. And so when I finally started to sniff, sniff, sniff the manure, I really began to discover that I hadn't lost and that I wasn't a loser. And that, oh my goodness, wait, 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 wait. I was on the very first show of a huge monolithic experience where 50 million people, 30 million people weekly saw me do my thing. I came into 30 million homes in America and then more internationally after that for an entire summer. And no, it didn't work out the way I had hoped it worked out. But when I started to examine that, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, if I had, if I had won, then I would have crashed and burned. I really truly believe that. I really truly believe that if I had won, I would have absolutely crashed and burned. I would have been a flash in the pan and I might have even died of some sort of self-inflicted wound. And so 
and the reason why I felt that way, and the reason why I know that that's the case for me, is because I was not prepared for the trappings of fame. I was sweet and kind and thought that if I worked really hard, then they, they, the people in power, would take care of me. If I just gave them my best. That if I just made people like me. That is a dangerous recipe. Dangerous recipe. And many, 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 many stars, many, many people who are exposed to that kind of public scrutiny and who define their own worth by how the public defines them, whether or not people like them, many of them have died. You can think of one, I'm sure, off the top of your head. But I did a lot of soul searching and I smelled the manure and I started to ask myself, are these questions and these things that I'm telling about myself, rather these stories that I'm telling myself about myself, these things that I feel, are they really true? And I really began to question what it was I was telling myself. Hold on one second. Hold on one second, everybody. Boys? Boys, I'm working. I'm working, guys. I have to steal a moment just to do this. I'm literally... (laughs) I'm so embarrassed I'm telling you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because, look, we're open here. We're honest. And uh, we deal with the real... But Like, my wife is upstairs napping, and I wanted to be close to my two sons just to... Just to... You know, I, I didn't actually think I would be talking this long, but I am huddled in our downstairs bathroom, which is, I mean, it's nice and spacious. It's not like I'm huddled, but like I'm here and they're playing video games right now and they just keep walking past the door and I see their shadows going back and forth and they're giggling a little bit. And here I am talking about this serious soul business. So (laughs) Uh, anybody who has children knows that that's the life and my life is absolutely no different, but we're going to keep going on. Where we left off was I sniffed, I sniffed, I sniffed and sniffed the manure and I started to ask myself, are these stories that I tell myself about myself, about this experience true? And that, again, that's a whole other podcast that we can do on examining your stories and doing something called the work. If you've never read anything by Byron Katie, please do. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal book and she has a phenomenal method on how to really examine the stories that we tell ourselves because the stories we tell ourselves end up creating beliefs and what we believe about ourselves and others and the experiences that we have in life. But I'm not going to get deep into that. I am going to fast forward and after I examine those stories, I realize, no, I'm not a loser. I am someone who is still here. I am operating at a high level. I am doing amazing things. And then on top of that, I've also started a family, but I'll get to that in a second. So the whole point of that was when people now say to me, you should have won, man. I say, I didn't lose. And you should see the looks on their faces when I say that. They're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Because they just see it, uh, you won or you lost. You're famous, you're not famous. You're successful, you're not successful. You're either on the front page of this, that, and the other, or you're not. You're on my TV, or you're just, you're not working. And that's just not true, folks. 
that's not how it works in this game, especially when you get to higher levels. The real secret, I'm gonna tell you one of the biggest secrets for free, one of the biggest secrets that I have ever learned about this business. This business is cyclical, meaning it comes around and around and around. It's like being on one of those merry-go-rounds or one of those one of those things in the playground that go, it's like a merry-go-round, but it's not like nearly as fancy. One of those things that's all metal and it goes around and around and around. Kids jump on and off of it. Well, this business is like that. And whether you're on one of those little playground merry-go-rounds or you're on the most beautiful, beautifully painted, beautifully carved horses and lions and seals and all these beautiful things, merry-go-rounds that you can find down the shore in Jersey or in numerous cities across the world. The principle remains the same. The business is cyclical and if you can stay in it long enough, and do good work, you always get your due. If you can stay in this business long enough, if you hang in there and if you do good work and if you keep working on your skills and keep focusing and keep getting better, you will eventually get your shot. Because what is luck? Preparation meeting opportunity. People think luck is this thing that you got to rub before, leave clover for, or find some sort of leprechaun or something like that. No, 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 no. Luck is nothing more than preparation meeting opportunity. When you are prepared and the opportunity arises and you seize it, people call you lucky. People say you're an overnight success, but they don't see the days and hours and months and weeks and years of preparation that went into that one moment. So when people tell me, hey, you should have won, I say I didn't lose because I sure as hell didn't. There was a time when I thought that fame and a record deal and red carpets and money was everything and that meant success. But I had it all, all of that. I was a millionaire at age 22, living in Bel Air, California, one of those beautiful, wealthy places you can live in Los Angeles, driving all these crazy cars. And yet, every single morning, I would get up out of my bed in my dark room, not having really left or gone anywhere the day before, the day before that, and in this beautiful, gorgeous compound that, it, I mean, it's like thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year just in landscaping. God knows what the property tax is. In this gorgeous compound, I would get into the shower and I would stand with my back to the water and I would have my 10, 12 minutes hate. If you read 1984, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I would sit there and I would just be so angry and fuming and hating and imagining bad things happening to all the people who I believed were screwing me over. And I was doing it all in the lap of luxury. 
I had everything that I wanted at that point in my life. And yet I was still miserable. So fast forward many years later, I end up meeting again (laughs) the woman who I would marry. She and I were friends when I was in junior high and high school. But she was way younger than I was. Four years younger. And, you know, when you're like 18, a 14-year-old, you're not thinking about that. But now here we were both adults and we met again. We fell in love. We got married. And we decided to have a family. And it was then that I realized and began the journey of realizing that I didn't want money and fame and record deals and red carpets and amazing cars and beautiful clothing and a maid and all the the trapping, the wealth, all that. That's not what I really wanted. Those things were awesome. And they are awesome. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie. It's really fun. I really enjoy that lifestyle. And I really enjoy the version of that lifestyle that I have now. But what I realized, I didn't really want those things. I wanted a feeling inside of myself that I thought those things would give me. I wanted to just feel good and to feel like I was living a life with purpose. I thought my purpose was to go make records and and stand up on stage and, and make people feel the way I felt when I saw the Jackson 5 at the on the Victory Tour in 1986 in Atlanta, Georgia. I thought that that was it and they would love me and that, that would fill the hole that was inside me. But what I realized is that family is everything. Living a life of purpose is everything. Adding value to not only my life but the pe- lives of the people around me is way more valuable than any amount of money, fame, record deals, red carpets. I mean, all that stuff's great. They have a great deal of value if you know how to use them. But ultimately, I redefined my success. And family and my own well-being and my happiness was what was most important to me. So, There is a victory in your defeat. If you stop and smell the manure, stop to take stock of the stories that you have created from your experiences. And then the beliefs that you have created as a result of those stories that play over and over again. There is a victory in your defeat if you stop and smell the manure. And don't be distracted. My children are trying to distract me. Very hard. Hear him out there? (laughs) Stay focused. Examine your stories. Examine the defeats. And if you can do that, and if you can look at the stories and say, what am I believing about myself because of this experience? And if I don't like it, how can I change it? How can I up my skill sets? How can I get better so that I can create a new experience, thereby creating a new story, thereby creating a new belief. How can I do that? 
There's a victory in your defeat if you stop and smell the manure. And you can be like my children out there just having a great time. <laughs> living in the moment. <laughs> Instead of living in the defeats of the past or the fear of future defeats. That's the true victory. I mean, they're out there playing and having a great time and they are 100% in the moment. You can learn that from children. Go hang around a child. If you don't have one, go find one <laughs> that, that won't get creeped out if you hang around them. And see, little kids, they are constantly living moment to moment to moment to moment. And they're mostly happy. <laughs> I'm going to go play with my kids. That's all I got for you today. I'm Justin Belgorani. You've been listening to the Warrior Artist Podcast. <laughs>